This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Fintech Nexus weekly news show. Yes, we are no longer Lender Fintech. If you uh, missed it, we rebranded just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And of course, we are coming right off our huge event. Oh, by the way, my name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Fintech Nexus, joined um, today by Kevin Travers. Um, who, how are you doing, Kevin? Great. It's a rainy day, but it's great to broadcast from New York City. All right. And we are just fresh off. There's two of us today because we've got basically half the Linda team out right now, half the FinTech Nexus team out because we had our huge event last week. Uh, it was a roaring success, really much, much even better than our expectations. It was just uh, uh, a fantastic show and uh, we're all recovering. <laughs> and, uh, so what, what, what are your initial thoughts? Let's just talk about the show just for a second before we get into the news, Kevin. It went fantastic. I had the pleasure of covering the uh, consumer credit and Web3 crypto tracks. And so I, I haven't seen that many people in one place since the Yankees game uh, that I first <laughs> went to after COVID sort of ended. It was amazing to see everyone out and about and excited for uh, what our new FinTech Nexus brand is ready to cover. Yep. We had just over well, it was almost 4,200 people um, were uh, yeah, registered to attend and it was a packed house. Very, very many of the sessions were completely packed and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. The energy was high. People were in good spirits. But anyway, let's get into the news on this short week. Um, we're going to lead off with a firm and Stripe teaming up. A firm seems to be partnering with everybody. Um, they've getting um, they're getting more and more of these major partnerships. You now they've talked about they've had Shopify and Fiverr before. Now Stripe. Now Stripe has millions of customers, and now with um, a firm's adaptive checkout which kind of uh is real time sort of depending on what you've checked what you're actually checking out will offer you different options um and uh you know it's it's a firm it's a way for them to kind of get their get their checkout um mechanism in in with huge numbers now of uh, of new of new people so any what are your thoughts kevin it seems like it's going to be the trend uh for what seems to, well, a firm is a hugely consumer focused fintech, but it looks like the way this year is going now that it's basically halfway through is um, people are partnering and uh, consolidating with business to business focused transaction, which is good for us because that's what we cover. Um, but compared to consumer pricing, like their, their stock went down um, and they might not be doing so hot, but they definitely are partnering with everyone they can. They're sort yeah. of using this as an opportunity to build um, while uh, they, they were sort of on their hot streak uh, about a year ago in August when they were making the news, but still now we've gone through a buy now pay later, a bunch in the newsroom. And we sort of thought the trend was over, but like we saw at USA and what we see online is all of our stories are always uh, the, the most read if they mention buy now pay later. So it's still hot, even if the prices don't seem so, right? It is. It really is. I mean, it was one of the surprising things to me. Buy Now, Pay Later was everywhere at our event last week. People were talking about it in the small business track, in the consumer lending track, obviously, and uh, the credit and underwriting and 
all over the place, we had people still talking about buy now, pay later. It is not a trend that uh, is, seems to be slowing down. And uh, in fact, it's, it's almost argue it's, it's, it's starting, it's speeding up again. So, okay. Anyway, another interesting story that caught my eye this week was, um, we, we talked about this earlier today, Kevin, was the, this, um, the NFT marketplace OpenSea. We, this, this was a story, I think it was late last year, if I remember rightly. It might have been earlier this year. But anyway, talking about this guy who works at OpenSea and uh, he knew what NFTs were coming onto the platform, um, onto the homepage of their platform. So those, those, those NFTs are always more valuable. He would buy them in advance and then sell them for two to five X his, uh, his markup. I mean, two to five X his purchase price. So, you know, this is, I mean, Matt Levine wrote about it today in Bloomberg and he always has an interesting take. He actually wasn't all that, uh, didn't think it was all that um, big a deal. I mean, it's, it's fraud for sure, but uh, it was it, it, like, he talks about everything as securities fraud. This is basically everything is wire fraud. And this is, this is an example yeah. of wire fraud. And so it's, um, you know, it just goes to show if you're, 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 you know, the NFT might be, NFTs might be the wild West, but the, the law of the land still applies. Yeah, absolutely. I sort of see this as, well, he was arrested right here in New York. Um, and I sort of see this as a signal from the more liberal enforcers in maybe California or New York state, or just generally with the fed we have now that, even though, it, like you said, it is the Wild West, there are still going to be, I think, more of people getting charged for insider trading, securities fraud, and like you said, wire fraud. I think it's been really unaddressed recently. I, I know that this case, I think the initial allegations came up in a Twitter thread where a user actually found his account or an anonymous account was making a ton of bank off of uh, very lucky bets, but it turned out it was connected to his account, allegedly. Right. Right. Um, and that's sort of where this came from. And, and if that's... I mean, if that's the place it's going, we, we love supporting like careful regulation, I guess, here at FinTech Nexus. But if that's the place it's going, we can only expect more of this. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think if you're if you're if you are gaining an advantage on insider inside information um, for, you know, that, that is not available to the general public and you're, you know, this is this is, you know, this is really insider trading. And, uh, you know, I think. The government wants to make an example of you know NFTs. I mean, this is—they're not talking about huge sums of money here, but um, uh, yeah, they're, they're making um, you know making going to make an example of this. Uh, you know, he did he did have he had his he had his regular OpenSea account, which was which was public, and then he had a whole bunch of other anonymous ones, and that's where I said this Twitter so someone someone investigated and found out. Oh, look at this person who's really lucky <laughs> buying all these ones before they go on the on the homepage, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he he should be. I mean, assuming this is obviously everything is just allegations legend, right now yeah. until he's proven guilty, he is innocent. But um, you know, if if he is proven guilty, I think that will, you know, I think it's, it sets it sets a tone that we're we're not going to we're not going to allow kind of this sort of wild west mentality in in to continue. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on, Binance Labs. So Binance, obviously one of the top um, exchanges on the planet. Uh, they have they have their own they have like their own um, fund and they have their own incubator, and now they've got a new fund, a huge new fund, five hundred million dollars. Who says it's a crypto winter? Uh, five hundred <laughs> million dollars supported by mind you, this might have been closed or. A lot earlier this year, but DST Global, Briar Capital, other family offices, um, 
corporations, some big names that are, are investing in this fund, focusing on Web3 investments at pretty much all stages of development. And, uh, you know, this, I mean, there's, there's still going to be money flowing into Web3, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that um, when everyone is worried about crypto winter, all the public facing companies, all the VCs sort of tend to wind down. But these crypto based companies like Binance, it's when they start to grow the most. It's when they're sort of batting down the hatches and focusing on growth. And I mean, PitchBook, it's a great article. PitchBook was referenced in research that they found two billion was raised for 164 funding deals just in May alone in the crypto Web3 space. It's a space we're looking at more and more as a place of innovation. And it's sort of funny to compare it to uh, other venture capital in tech and uh, fintech that crypto has sort of mirrored in its valuations. It's gone up and down, but not going anywhere anytime soon, I guess. Yeah, and of course, we have the Andreessen Horowitz $4.5 billion crypto fund uh, that they, they that the money has been raised. So I think, you know, new, new crypto companies are probably going to be um, – able to raise money much more readily than, than the traditional fintech companies are, I think. And that there's, this money has to be put to work. And, you know, like the bankless guys say, you know, they've been saying this for the last uh, few weeks now, build the dip um, is what they're yeah. talking about. So crypto, crypto prices um, tank. And the whole idea is you build, you build new products, you build, you develop uh, new ideas uh, when, prices are down and no, no and that's kind of i think there's there's so many good ideas there and they even said they're they're, they're earmarking money i read in the article in TechCrunch that um for sectors that don't exist yet <laughs> so they know there's going to be new things that that come out um uh, in the next uh, year or two and they're they're uh, they want to be part of it absolutely and so do we yes indeed Indeed, plug for our merge event in London happening in uh, October, which is going to be completely focused on Web3, the Web3 intersection with banking. So anyway, let's move on because we have another crypto story. Um, This is sort of somewhat related, but um, basically Ripple and FTX um, recently told CNBC they're on the lookout for deals. You know, there are going to be those companies that you know haven't they've raised money they, they haven't quite hit the metrics they said they were going to hit they're having trouble raising new money and there's going to be there's going to be some deals to be had some m a deals uh ftx has already said they look they're looking to acquire a brokerage firm to really ramp up their their stock trading offering you know the, the ripple ceo's brad gullinghouse he was in davos last week didn't come to our events silly man should have gone should have, should, have, should have blown off davos and come to fintech nexus but anyway um he basically said that that ripple are in the in the in the hunt for uh for m&a deals so it's um there will be there will be consolidation in crypto it seems like this year Absolutely. It's just like uh, the partnership of a firm and Stripe. It's just like consolidation of fintech being mirrored. But it's a little different only because only because uh, these giant crypto exchanges are now they were flush with cash at one point. But when they're when the user base dies down of people buying uh, tokens and coins and what what they sell on their platforms, they need to find sort of other value added. I think we're going to see FTX's SBF himself is going to be on stage in uh, Austin, Texas next week. And we'll, yep. I think we're going to see uh, we're going to the consensus event, trying to cover it as best we can. And I'm pretty sure he's going to lay down, or I'm hoping he's going to lay down his plan for opening up a, a brokerage or a, a really well regulated 
um, like stock trading platform or something to branch more than just a consumer crypto focused place and to go further, just like we're seeing in the rest of fintech. Yeah, I think, I mean, that, uh, we, are, we, we both had the good fortune to be heading to Austin next week, so where we'll, we'll hear that live. Um, and, uh, you know, the one thing I just want to add, that, that, that they said that there was $55 billion globally in M&A deals in crypto in 2021. That was up from $1 billion in wow. 2020. 2020 was, uh, was still in the middle of the crypto winter and uh, certainly the first you know, two-thirds of the year, three-quarters of the year was like that. So who knows what we'll see this year in total M&A deals. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this is a piece that you uh, you wrote, uh, Kevin. So what, we have Nav teaming up with Marcus to offer you know, small business credit lines. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about the, the coverage you did? Yeah, so it's great to see. Uh, my first job was writing in SMB funding, and it's great to see one of the known uh, like leaders, frontrunners in that space with their tech coming to join and partner with Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Um, they've really turned into like a neo banking digital brand uh, giant, and now they're branching out with offering consumer, but also like business to business focused um, uh, platforms and products on their. I mean. That's what they're doing. And it's cool to see they're going to become the next super app, maybe, but it's, it's a competitive space in neobanking. Yeah, it is, it, is it is interesting because Marcus has really been focusing on consumer for the most yeah. part. Now, Goldman Sachs um, has, you know, like got to, they have the Amazon program. It's, you know, business to business, small business lending there. So um, I just but it seems to me this, this is really the first time I think we've seen Marcus really talk about small business and it's, they they have you know was on that that famous slide from their investor day a couple of years ago where they said they all the different areas that marcus was going to get into um and uh it was you know still primarily consumer but they're you know like anything if they're going to be a super app you know they they uh they probably want to have you know small business i mean every, every there's so many small business owners in uh you know in the country and a lot of them act you know, a lot of the very smallest of small businesses really are very, you know, very similar to a consumer lending product. But Nav, Nav's, a, as you say, it's a big name, uh, an established name in the small business lending space. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's going to be, it's a great thing for Nav to get the Marcus deal. I'm sure that wasn't, I'm sure they were looking at uh, others in the space, but Nav was the one that got the deal. And, we're interested to see what, uh, what, whether this is really a driver of, lending volume that's going to be the interesting thing it'll be fantastic to see i'm hoping to see amazon google pay paypal others that do offer small business funding but don't really announce it that much to come out with a, a big announcement that they're like openly uh, competing in the market like that because they do um but we just don't hear about it as much so it's cool to see i guess the first of more of the trad fi institutions with a open consumer business to business focused uh, smb offering Yep. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting that like they're not, they could probably do this themselves, but, um, you know, I think it makes sense. I mean, that's what, um, uh, you know, Swati Bhatia from uh, Goldman Sachs, the head of the Marcus uh, Consumer Bank is, uh, she said on our keynote stage last week that they're very much focused on partnerships at Goldman Sachs. And that's, this is another example of that. Anyway, moving along to the Winklevi, the, um, the Winklevoss twins, um, they, uh, they run a company called Gemini and, uh, this is, you know, 
they, they announced um, in a blog post, I think it was just posted this morning, they announced that they are cutting 10% of their workforce, citing the turbulent crypto market and also, you know, the macroeconomic uh, you know, picture isn't that, um, isn't that positive either. So they're being, I mean, this is, not, this is the first of probably what will be many. I know that's not the first. They've have, there are others that have uh, indicated they're laying off people. But, um, you know, Coinbase hasn't said they're hiring, laying off anybody, but they have said they're slowing down hiring. You know, this is the crypto winter for, for exchanges like Gemini and Coinbase. I mean, the crypto winter is one thing, but it's just the lack, the, the, the lower trading volumes, lo, yeah. less people buying. It's really, I mean, the, the revenue, the revenue has just got to be so choppy in these platforms. It's, it's crazy to see how one company can announce, oh, we have a new venture fund that's going to be investing and another company could saying, we're laying people off. It's like better.com borrowing <laughs> their Zoom firing, but that's just one of many. Klarna said they're laying people off, or Robinhood. There are a lot of people are sizing down by about 10%. In Gemini's case, it's only like 100 people out of their 1,000-person workforce. Robinhood, it was 700 people um, from their 7,000-person workforce. But it's, I don't know. Com- compared to that, the Wall Street Journal said on Tuesday that apparently Fidelity Digital is going to double their hiring. Um, they're going to bring on 100 people just to get institutional uh, crypto or digital asset focused uh, lending and products onto their own platform. I mean, what do you think about that? That's such yeah, a- that was that was that seemed that was surprising to me because it seems to be bucking the trend. I mean, the I mean, obviously, there's Fidelity has you know that they've they've gone all in on crypto. They're the ones that are doing the crypto 401k, um, and you know they. You know they've they've had they've got obviously massive institutional business that um, you know the, I know that there's the demand to to hold crypto. I mean this is something that um, you see from banks and others that their customers want to have that as an option. Even even though crypto is down, a lot of people now are viewing it as you know this is this is a buying opportunity. And not only that, you know if I'm going, you know they missed out on the first wave of crypto. Maybe now they can get in on this wave uh, before it gets going. And I, I feel like there's demand. There's still a lot of demand for consumers who want to hold crypto and not necessarily trade it, mm-hmm. but hold it just as an asset class, as a diversification from what they've been doing. And Fidelity seemed to, you know, with with their institutional arm, you know, doubling the doubling the number of workers there. That's a, that's a that's a hugely bullish sign, I think. Absolutely. Okay, moving along. This is one right up your alley. This is from the financial <laughs> brand this week, Kevin. Um, why bank marketers are moving into TikTok. And uh, Kevin, you are our resident uh, TikTok uh, expert here. And um, why don't you maybe, uh, you know, we had like, did you see that session we had last week on influencer marketing? Um, yes, it was fantastic. And we actually invited a bunch of um, TikTokers or Finfluencers uh, to the event, um, they could per- they could take part in talking about the fintech nexus brand, but also they could uh, walk around and meet people and take part in the networking. Um, it was a it was a it was an electric event, really. They were talking about getting paid seven k just to promote uh, in one video in one thirty second video. They get paid by banks or brands to promote to millions of people, and that's different and cheaper for larger brands, but it's way different than normal ads or newsletters or ways we promote brands today. I, I don't know. What, what do you, what is your take on it? Cause I'm on TikTok, though. I try to stay off of it unless uh, trying to promote like the FinTech Nexus brand, honestly. 
I, I am not on TikTok. Well, I, I have a TikTok. It gets on my phone, but um, my son is on it a lot, and he's he mainly shows me soccer videos, and uh, that's what he's really into. <laughs> but there's TikTok that can be whatever your whatever your fan whatever tickles your fancy. There's a there's a TikTok. Um, seems like community that is uh, creating videos. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, it's still early days, and you know, what I what was fascinating to me, like the thing about TikTok, there's one billion users of TikTok, and they're primarily Gen Z and and the the younger millennials, mm-hmm. um, and these are people who are, you know, banks finding it hard to reach. So, I mean, the, I, I was struck by, I mean, it, it wasn't a packed house. We had an influencer marketing session uh, that was really focused around not just TikTok, but uh, but has had a TikTok influencer on there. And, um, and basically this is, this is just another, like, this is performance marketing. So, you know, we, they had an agency on there as well where that talked about, you know, you, you're a bank and a bank, a 200 year old bank is using influencer marketing on TikTok to help, help drive uh, younger people into their brand. And so to me, I feel like this is this, this is early. I mean, it wasn't a packed house. There's only certain people that want to, that are interested in this, but I looked around when I was in the room and people were engaged. People were really listening. They weren't just checking on their phones. So um, I think uh, it's going to be big. I think that, um, that there is a real opportunity. I mean, being early will get you a better deal. But the thing that I was, that was stressed out, this is not, this is not something that you just throw some money out, money up and just hope for the best. A lot of these things are, you know, these TikTokers will say, you know, I promise you a hundred new leads for your, you know, $7,000 spend or whatever, whatever it is. And, these are, these are, you know, this is sort of a way, these hundred new leads that they get, they may not have gotten any other way or they might not have gotten with yeah. a traditional marketing program. So it's not just, you know, spend money and hope it's, it's performance marketing. So, right. I'll give you, you know, throw $7,000 on it. If it doesn't generate a hundred leads and they generate five leads then you don't do it again. But this, these, these TikTokers are pretty confident in what, uh, what they're offering. It's amazing how precise the algorithm is at bringing people together. It is definitely a way to reach people. And it is, it's an attention market that's scarce still. It's not like you can, it would do better for consumer focused brands. And it's not like you can just say, here's an ad for this product, go buy it. It has to be within like the dialect of TikTok, which is a challenge for most brands. It's a challenge for me and I try to make them for FinTech Nexus. But for that 20 to 30 market, for that hyper-focused I guess, Finfluencer, there is a way to reach Gen Z and younger millennials, which may seem like they just like dancing and making music videos or whatever. But in at the end of this decade, there will be 40 trillion in real earnings from the largest generation in human history. And that is something that every brand, every bank, every fintech should think about and uh, be inspired by in a way to capture uh, people that they haven't sought out before. Yep. No, I think it's and and banks are not going to be uh, all that early to it. But I mean, a lot of the fintechs are also um, using it. Current uses it. Step, uh, the teen sort of banking app uses it. Um, and uh, I think you know, just just if if you're if you're listening to this and you're a, you're a banker or a, or a fintech and you don't really think this is a whole this is this is worthless, <laughs> go 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 ask a teenager or a young someone in their early twenties about it because they will they will tell you otherwise. Anyway, moving on. Um, this was a, I want to want to highlight Ron Shevlin's article. He uh, he provides some unsolicited advice for Chime, and we obviously we had the CEO of Chime as our opening keynote uh, <laughs> last week, and uh, he um, it was pretty. It, it was actually pretty interesting. When, if, 
read the whole thing, he basically is saying that you know, Chime is going to struggle because their average customer is less affluent than the average American. They have they have lower earnings, uh, less assets, and um, you know, Chime is trying to monetize these people, and they're doing it right now uh, through through basically through their debit card, uh, you know, the interchange fees on debit cards. That's primarily how they're making money. But, you know, they, 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 they'll eventually, I'm sure they'll get into lending at some point. But what Ron Shevlin is saying is, no, no, you, you know, they should become the Sands Club for the digital economy and move beyond financial services. Now, we're seeing some of this in China. We're seeing, you're seeing it in Latin America as well. Haven't seen it much in this country as far as financial firms moving beyond financial services but he was talking about like the number one requested thing that to wrap up in the chime app was uh roadside assistance <laughs> so like you're a triple a type triple uh, a road bundle that in with chime is what uh, is what they is what i think that's what a survey from cornerstone advisors said or cell phone insurance which is kind of financial services i guess um is another is another thing they could get into and that's it's gonna be interesting to see because when you're when you're a digital app i mean you can you know the super app may end up being far more than a financial app what do you think kevin yeah absolutely i think by virtue of being like a digital app it's easier to offer services that you wouldn't ever think of offering at like a digital or a non-digital bank branch Mm -hmm. i think Chime has gone fresh off the stage and Britt is already getting questions about his rumors of an IPO. Like there's an IPO rumored and then it was rumored it wasn't going to happen anymore uh, just this patch of March. And if you look at valuations of other now public fintechs and neobanks, maybe it's not a bad idea that they sort of avoided their IPO while they're looking for what their actual like long-term value is. If if Cornerstone Advisors and Chevlin says that they are not going to make money off of their standard users, maybe the subscription model of banking that we're seeing more and more as a, a, a hot topic this week in these coming stories and in this one, maybe the subscription model of banking is something they can sort of hedge their bets on. And not just banking, but like you said, super app or uh, insurance or uh, customer service, I don't know, identity, identity protection. Yeah, I think I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure Chime is very happy they're not a public company right now <laughs> because they would their stock would be down dramatically um, from from a year ago. But anyway, you, you you teed it up, so let's 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 talk about this subscription model. This is another article in Financial Brand how a subscription how a subscription model could replace banking's legacy fee structure because I think it's it's interesting because you know people hate. I've always hated, you know, if you charge $10 for a checking account, $10 a month for a checking account, because it's just a checking account. Yeah. And it's free. It's free at a bunch of other places. You know, I mean, they p- people don't want that. But the subscription model, me, like, I feel like there's a, you know, the, 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 the generation, your generation, Kevin, that, you know, is used to, you know, Netflix and Hulu and uh, Amazon Prime and what have you, the subscription model, where you're getting value. And I think that's the key is, you know, you see there's companies like New Bank in, in Latin America, but, you know, here, you know, Acorns has a subscription model, Moneyline has one, Revolut has one, um, and this is, they've all been, you know, relatively successful in generating revenue from subscriptions because they're providing value that, you know, that people want. People just, if, if you're just offering a plain villa checking account, people are not going to be comfortable paying a subscription for that. But if you've got some bells and whistles on it, then they can, uh, you know, you can get money. You can get uh, a monthly, some monthly revenue in. Absolutely. This article uh, by the financial brand, it references uh, research that the market for subscription banking will go to like 1.5 trillion by 2025. I believe that, but I also, it is interesting 
as like an elder Zoomer or whatever I am, that I'm the generation that's supposed to be spending the most on subscriptions. And that's probably true. But so I, I'm looking at my subscriptions recently, actually, because PNC sent me a message and said, you know, your free student uh, banking account that's basically only debit that you use for direct deposit. Well, uh, you're going to have to pay $7 a month for that now oh, uh, if you want to keep using it. And I'm thinking, well, I only I use I use Fidelity for like uh, my retirement, I use Venmo to, for payments and I use other stuff to pay rent. Why, why would I use this? And at the same time, I pay 170 on subscriptions, including a 40 buck Wall Street Journal monthly. Now that's the expensive part. Um, but comparing this to say Netflix that led by led the whole world in showing its subscription model recently tanked because their subscriptions are down and there's a bunch of competitors. Is that really the best standard to live up to for uh, banking? Well, maybe, but it has to be, you're right, more than just the standard debit. Because I do not want to pay uh, $7 a month when I could just use PayPal or Venmo or something to use deposits. Yep. Yep, indeed. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time. One last story I want to get to. And this was the, um, we've been hearing about this crypto legislation. Senator Senator uh, Lummis has um, had, she's a senator from Wyoming. She's been talking about this uh, legislation that she's going to be releasing on June 7th. Well, the block um, obtained the 70-page text of this legislation. We don't know if it's final. It, it, it's probably not exactly final, but uh, it, 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 it's probably close. And uh, basically saying that crypto, crypto regulation is going to fall primarily under the CFTC little bit of SEC thrown in. Uh, we've got a new term, ancillary assets. Ancillary assets. There's a new term that uh, is going to be in this legislation. But it's, um, you know, we'll, we'll find out next week. We'll talk about it on this show next week because it, it's really, it's going to be important. This is, you know, this is one of going to be one of the most uh, thoughtful pieces of legislation um, out there and could good part, big parts of this could well become law because there, there is certainly some momentum for legislation. Especially from such a crypto positive state like Wyoming, which is like Delaware, but even more friendly towards uh, incorporation within their borders. I'm really excited to see. I think this is the year where we see a federal law about what defines crypto and a lot of regulation coming down. And it's cool to see at least a 70 page document that's supporting uh, a lot of innovation that's happening now. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, the reality is this this sort of period of uncertainty we're living in now is not serving anybody it's not serving consumers it's not serving certainly the um you know, the platforms the, the crypto companies themselves so i think we'd certainly need uh we need some clarity here and hopefully this will be the start of providing that anyway we are out of time um thank you very much for watching or listening uh we'll be back same time next week we'll be coming at you i'll be coming at you from the consensus event in austin texas so until then have a great weekend everybody bye yeah have a great one see ya